The Guardian. The Society of the Spectacle is almost a self-evident idea. I mean, it's one of those phrases where you sort of know straight away what he means. It has all these implications of uh, the way of modern living being all about passivity, about mere consumption as opposed to being an active human being, about staring at something. Debord actually knew that spectacular images of people claiming to represent society were crucial to the construction of social transformation and, any, and any claim, making any claim on politics at all. From The Guardian, this is the Big Ideas Podcast. I'm Benjamin Walker. And this time around, we're taking on an idea made famous by the French writer, filmmaker, philosopher, and situationist Guy Debord, The Society of the Spectacle. Now, in his book, The Society of the Spectacle, Guy Debord gives us a number of definitions of what the spectacle is, like this one. The spectacle manifests itself as an enormous positivity, out of reach and beyond dispute. All it says is, everything that appears is good, whatever is good will appear. And this one. The spectacle is a permanent opium war waged to make it impossible to distinguish goods from commodities or true satisfaction from a survival that increases according to its own logic. In fact, there are so many definitions of what the spectacle is, you can't help but feel sometimes that Debord is deliberately trying to confuse us. It's like he's making it difficult on purpose. Hello? Bonjour. So I rang up the Guy Debord archive at the Bibliothèque Nationale in France, and they hooked me up with Emmanuel Guy. So I'm Emmanuel Guy, and I work as an associate researcher at the National Library, working on the Guy Debord archive. So the philosoph- on the philosophy podcast I produce, usually we talk with writers and thinkers about the topic, but this time I want, I want to try something new. I figured, you know, we can just do away with all that. And instead, you can just, you know, tell us all about the secret letter that Debord wrote to his friend about the Society of the Spectacle or a chart that he once scrawled on a napkin while drunk on too much red wine. <laughs> oh, come on, it could have worked. But seriously... When a scholar comes to you and wants to, say, discover the truth about the society of the spectacle, what do you show him or her? Like me, you probably have um, a fetishistic urge to look at the manuscript. So fair enough, you know, we, we show people the manuscript. But there is this fascinating ensemble that has attracted so many um, researchers to, 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 to come to us. The both reading notes. It's, there's um, 1,300 of them. The majority are, are taken on note cards, you know, the kind of note cards that were used for library catalogues before they, they become computerized. And some, you know, some others would be just whatever piece of paper Debord would have at his fingertips. And in those notes, we see Debord writing down extracts, commencing them, and really building up the concept of the spectacle while discussing other writers' thoughts and re- on related subjects. So it's a whole genealogy of the concept that is given through those reading notes. They're like a pre-draft of the manuscripts. Emmanuel Guy told me that Debord organized his reading notes for the Society of the Spectacle into seven folders. Poetry, Shakespeare, Hegel, Marxism, history, philosophy, and military strategy. Many of these reading notes will be on display next year when the Bibliothèque Nationale puts on its Guy Debord exhibit in Paris. I'm definitely going because I want to see the card where Debord tests out other potential titles for his work. 
He tries out the resistible society of the spectacle, the dialectics of or in the society of or as spectacle. And the last one, the spectacular moment of commodity society. One of the many brilliant things about the Situationist International was although they could write in this uh, very dense, occasionally impenetrable Hegelian language, they were also absolutely brilliant at sloganeering. Guardian writer John Harris says he first came upon the Society of the Spectacle and Guy Debord while studying up on the Situationist International, a radical group of artists and thinkers most famous for their participation in the protests of 1968. Guy Debord is one of the founding members. It's never clear who exactly it was who wrote the slogans on the wall in Paris in May 68, all those brilliant things like under the paving stones, the beach and... I, uh, I take my desires for reality because I believe in the reality of my desires. Or uh, there's another brilliant one which says something like, anyone who doesn't understand what's subversive about love and the refusal of constraints has a corpse in their mouth. I mean, they're all brilliant. It's unclear who wrote those. There is there's sort of apocryphal stories that Guy Debord at one point went out with a bucket of paint and did a few himself. But what they really point up is that they were... They were absolutely brilliant at very pithy, incisive language. And that was part of the, of, of the idea... The only way that they felt you could break through the spectacle was in sort of interrupting people's thought patterns. And you do that with extremely well-chosen words. And I suppose the society of the spectacle is an example of how well-chosen those words were. Guy Debord and the Situationists saw the modern world as spectacle primarily because of the fantastic, overwhelming media saturation that defined his time, and even more so, ours. But as John Harris points out, what DeBoer really wants us to understand is that the spectacle fundamentally changes us. If we live in the age of media saturation uh, and a sense in which even the most intimate parts of our lives have partly been commodified, in other words, you know, even our, uh, our personal lives are sort of sold back to us in some way, and then straight away you have an understanding of what the society of the spectacle means. I mean, there's an idea, it's always illustrated with things like, uh, you know, Times Square with all the screens flashing or, you know, uh, the windows of shops that are full of televisions, you know. Now I would take that further and I'd say uh, the internet and our use of it point all those things up. Now that's true and that stands for itself. But de Boer means something much more subtle and much more textured and deep than that. I mean, the, one of the key sentences in the book, The Society of the Spectacle, it's paragraph number four. It says, The spectacle is not a collection of images, but a social relation among people mediated by images. And what that means is that even the way that we relate to each other, our very understanding of social life and so on, has been so commodified that it's no longer authentic. It's not our own work. It's something we look at in the spectacle and we sort of draw into our own existences. I mean, that's the, that's the level of alienation that he's talking about. Now, that's a very simple idea on the face of it, but at the same time, in terms of the sheer reach of it and how deep it goes into life, it's a very, very profound thought at the same time. To really understand, though, how the spectacle alters the way we relate to one another, John Harris says we need only look at Facebook. I mean, De Boer would have, would have had a field day and would have laughed his head off at the idea of the Facebook friend. I mean, if ever there were an example of authentic human experience, 
being rendered inauthentic and spectacular and false and used mendaciously. It's the Facebook friend, you know. Because that, what's that? It's not friendship. What is that, you know? And yet, increasingly, that's what people understand by friendship. That's the point. This goes back to uh, the Hungarian Marxist George Lukács who had this idea of reification, which is when an authentic thing is, is rendered inauthentic by its incorporation in the power structure, the totality. And that's what kind of what's happened with friendship. And Facebook exists to monetize everything, right? So the Facebook friend, as far as Mark Zuckerberg is concerned, I suppose, is an invention which maximizes the monetization that he can gain from his website. But we understand it as something approaching authentic friendship. That's classically spectacular. Unbelievably spectacular. Over the course of his life, Guy Debord made a number of films, including one called The Society of the Spectacle. And in these films, he used the same techniques he used in his writing. For example, the Society of the Spectacle film uses clips from movies like The Battleship Potemkin, For Whom the Bell Tolls, and Johnny Guitar, as well as footage from the riots of 1968 and the Hungarian Revolution. The situationists called this artistic process detournement, an appropriation and recontextualization of cultural meaning. Now, for me, this has always been a concept easier to understand when I see it, either on the screen or in Debord's visual collages. Megan Sutherland lectures on cinema studies and visual culture at the University of Toronto in Canada, and she told me that Debord's films also make it clear that he is not just critiquing the spectacle. The film highlights um, that the fact that Debord may not be as mediaphobic as he is often represented to be. He was actually critical of the idea that you couldn't use some of these mass media techniques for, for kind of revolutionary means. I think that the Society of the Spectacle represents his effort to make sense of how, how to go forward and how, how, to, how to think about transforming social existence even in the age of mass media commerce. Debord and the Situationists understood that any struggle for social change could never fully abandon the spectacle. Spectacle isn't something to be uh, simply abolished. There's a question about whether or not society exists without spectacles of society. And we can think of here in the sense of a protest or a demonstration, right? The word demonstration basically breaks down in its Latin root to the word monstration, which goes back to the idea of showing. Right? It's about displaying dissent. And without spectacles of dissent, we don't even have protests or, or, or social movements. Megan Sutherland told me that she came to truly understand the potential of the spectacle when she visited New York City in 2004. She came to march in an anti-Iraq war protest, but she was never able to join up with the mass rally because the police kept diverting and kettling the protesters. The police were there systematically diverting people from the beginning of the march and from the root of the march. People were simply not allowed to appear together. And that was an attack on a spectacle of society that would have had a rather 
you know, different force than the one Debord describes. Protesters from the Occupy movement all over the world are making similar charges, suggesting that today it is the police officer who best understands the relationship between detournement and spectacle. Okay, that joke totally doesn't work, but I find Megan Sutherland's contemporary reading of the Society of the Spectacle fascinating because today most readers of Debord, like John Harris, tend to discount Debord's revolutionary and political ideas and instead focus on his great contributions to philosophy. And I think in the end, much as, uh, you know, revolt is a tremendously romantic notion and I wish there was more of it, the chief use of the society, the spectacle now, I think, is not as a, as a manual for revolt. It's a book about how to understand not just the times in which you live, but the modern human condition. great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.